Hey everybody, Frank Finance here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Today I wanna to talk about energy transfer, ticker symbol ET. In today's stock analysis, I'm gonna be going over energy transfer's latest earnings, as well as going over the DCF model I have for them, as well as the inputs on how I got to that valuation. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing, hit that like button. Thank you so much for watching. Now back to your content. All right, jumping into the earnings information. They report earnings on the 4th of May. They beat really well on uh, normalized earnings per share and slightly beat on the gap side. They had revenues of $20 billion and they beat earnings expectations by $1.7 billion. Moving forward, they're going to have revenue roughly uh, flat compared to the previous quarter. Um, and the revisions are on the upside in the last 90 days with one down, uh, uh, downward revision. Um, their uh, earnings is going to be around early August, so we'll watch for it then. All right, now let's go over my DCF model for energy transfer. For the valuation, I have their DCF at $11 and their EBITDA multiple at almost $19 a share. So let's talk about some of the inputs and some of the things to be thinking about. So on the growth rate side, I have them growing at almost 20% for 2022 at 19 and a half. I have them growing at 0% for 2023 and negative 5% from 2024 to 2026. Now you can see their revenue growths here. You can see their EBITDA there as well. You can see the discount rate I'm using is 11% for energy transfer. I have their long-term growth rate at just 3%, which I think is good. And their earnings, uh, sorry, their current shares outstanding. I have it at 3.1 and I think that'll probably more than likely stay the same. Net debt is relatively small versus um, everything going on. Uh, a couple things to remember, their current dividend yield is about 7% at $11 a share or about 80 cents annually. Um, currently, they're, they're planning on increasing that to $1.22, which in would increase their dividend yield to about 11% at, if they're trading at $11 a share. I think they're currently trading at $12 a share. Um, I believe they're going to hit that at least by mid-2023, that $1.22 a share, but probably sooner. Um, successful lowering debt over 2020 and 2021. So they're refocusing on the dividend distributions uh, now. So really good to see that there. Now, last thing I'll say is on the, uh, uh, let's look at some of the EBITDA ratios and, and free cash flow ratios that go into this. Now on the EBITDA side, you can see that their EBITDA ratio has been increasing if you look between 2014 and 2019 went from 8% all the way up to 19%, um, and then kind of stayed around 20% if you did the, the average here, it's somewhere around 20% between the last three years. Um, to be conservative, I put that at kind of the middle of the last, the years prior to 2020. Um, so I put that at 15.2%. Um, so again, you could argue one way or the other, but that's what I have it at. Free cash flow, I have it 4.5%. Um, so looking at some of the valuations here, um, you can see that those free cash flow ratios were negative for four years there and then just started to turn positive. I do, We did have that large influx of free cash flow due to the weather situation in Texas last early last year. So that is what caused basically this large increase here in 2021. So I think 4.5% is... Um, I would say in the mix between conservative as well as uh, more on the optimistic side, um, I would be leaning more towards optimistic just because, again, 
there's not a lot of long-term data here to suggest that they're going to be able to maintain four and a half percent free cash flow, um, you know, moving forward. Now for this year, I think they'll be fine, uh, but they're going to need to be able to keep that and maintain that free cash flow margin, which is something they've struggled with in the past. Now on the revenue growth side, you can see big drops in revenue growth. Um, you can see these just big swings from 55 to 36, 54 to 38. Last year they had 67 billion, which is again a seven-year high. Um, and then in 2020 they're estimating 80 billion dollars. So again, I do think the reason why I'm having them at negative uh, negative growth is just the the amount of revenue that they're making this year. Take that into consideration with EVs with things in general just going away from gasoline, it appears, as well as it just being a boomer year for oil and gas companies. I do think that is going to start to trend down. We could see a bigger negative than what we're seeing on here, but I, I, I believe that we're going to see high gas prices for like probably the next two or three years unless something drastically happens, which I don't think there's much for the U.S. government to control unless – a foreign entity gets involved and starts dumping oil on the market. We're really not going to be able to get our way out of this where we're at right now. And again, energy transfer doesn't really have much to do with that. Really, all they're going to be doing is based off of volumes. Um, if if the oversupply becomes an issue, they can make up the money on the um, <clears throat> storage side of the business. But all that being said is... Um, you know, energy transfer is a midstream business and, and really they're just transferring the oil. So they're really getting money off of volume. Now, all that being said is the one thing I have seen and it's been challenging to, to see this or it's been disappointing to see this is that energy transfer over the last year as the volumes have increased and revenues, we have not seen what I think is a um, comparable increase in their free cash flow. So I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen moving forward. Um, I'm hoping that they can turn these increased volumes into higher free cash flow rates, but um, honestly, we haven't seen it in the last three quarters. And I don't think it's going, it, you know, at this point, I'm going to wait until they show it rather than, than try to plan for it in these models. So all that being said is I think in the last few times I've uh, given my uh, price target for energy transfer, I've said from anywhere from $12 to $14 a share. I think they're trading at $12 a share right now, which again is, I think, a good valuation for uh, energy transfer. On the EBITDA multiple side, I have them all the way up at $19 a share. Um, I do think, even though my DCF is lower on this, I do think there is potential more upside to the $14 range. I will continue to, I will reiterate that side now that we've reached 12. I do think though, if you are a new investor into energy transfer, um, know that you there's some, um, just just be prepared for, you know, possible downside in the name if the, if the, if the overall energy um, sector goes down or starts to decline, um, it will be, it will be going down. Not as drastically as some of the, uh, you know, the upstream businesses um, just because of how, how they're hedged, but um, they're also not going to have as much upside as those businesses as well as we've seen over the last year. Um, the, and in, in concert with that, if, if $14 a share is what we're looking at, um, I don't think anyone is going to be buying energy transfer. So 
more than likely this $19 a share is not really quite uh, possible. Um, but I do think there is some considerable, there is good upside as well as the dividend increasing. So all that being said is, I do think for for those who who bought energy transfer, you know, depressed values, $5, anywhere from $5 to $9 a share, you're making really good dividend yield off of this. And so that is, um, again, and once they increase the dividend to $1.22, you're going to be making really good dividend yield off of it. So it's going to be really hard to find something secure as well as as high of a yield as that. So um, I will say this again, I said secure there. Uh, they did cut their dividend substantially throughout the pandemic. So um, sec secure with an asterisk, if you will. Um, uh, it, it does look like they have good coverage on their dividend yield and at $1.22 based off of their current revenue and current uh, free cash flow. It does look like $1.22 is going to be good for them. Um, but however, again, it's not like they haven't cut their dividend before. If there is a sign of trouble, they could cut it again. So just keep that in mind. But for those who are in it for capital appreciation, I do think there is some 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 more upside here. I do think they get up to $14 a share, at least for now. That's my price target. And I think really I'm going to be considering a shift out of energy transfer sometime either right before, uh, probably around the announcement of the uh, when they finally get to $1.22. I'm going to want to see if they're planning on increasing the dividend, if they're going to go back to debt repayment. What exactly is their capital approach after that? What are they going to be doing? Uh, what's their plan? So um, that's kind of my uh, trigger point in my head on when I need to make a decision on if I'm going to be holding them and keeping the dividend yield or if I'm going to be taking the capital appreciation and, and, and running with it. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing to your videos on personal finance, investing, and stock analysis. My name is Frank, Frank Finance, out.